Yeah. As the golf season winds uh, through uh, summer, it's another edition of Swing Thoughts. Uh, I think originally we thought that would be kind of an ironic title for our golf podcast. The fact that what we talk about is everything but Swing Thoughts. But uh, anyhow, it's, it's become our thing. Uh, I'm Humble Howard Glassman, along with uh, the mental performance uh, coach from the Glen Abbey Golf Academy, Tim O'Connor. Are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. Hang on. Let yeah. me get the. Let me turn the theme down. Turn you up. Yeah, you know it's funny when we first started the show, we were trying to think of a name for it, and uh, swing thoughts just sort of seemed like a cute little play on words, and it's ironic. I think that all we do is talk about stuff that has nothing to do with how to swing a golf club. Yeah. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do. We should we should call it. Don't do swing thoughts. Right, but it is ironic, isn't it? It can yeah. be. Um, this is brought to you by Adidas Golf Canada and the new Tour Three Hundred and Sixty Two Point Visit AdidasGolf.ca and uh, brought to you by one of our. I guess our longest sponsor is TaylorMade. Canada and uh, the uh, amazing work that uh, TaylorMade does with uh, technology and driving. And today, for the first time, we're uh, happy to have on our program, the uh, he's in charge of Experiential, the experience of golf at TaylorMade Canada, Cameron, Cameron Jacobs. Hey, Cam. Hold on. Where's the phone? There we go. Hey, Cam. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? You know what? It's uh, it's summertime. It's about as good as it gets in, in, in Canadian golf. We've got hot weather, sunny skies, and uh, courses in uh, in good shape. So it's uh, it's been an awesome uh, last few months. You know, Timmy, I'm not sure if you heard me talking to Cam as we were getting ready that Cameron just played his first round of golf last night. <laughs> wow. Yep. Golf business. CPGA, perhaps. Can't play golf anymore. It's true. We'll throw the jets in on the fall. Get us uh, get us in October. It's uh, it's a great time of year. You know, it's funny. People ask us. Uh, the other night, Tim and I played golf together, and which is going to be part of the uh, later part of this episode. And everyone, there wasn't anyone in our group that wasn't swinging a TaylorMade driver. Cool. <laughs> and and people ask us, is, is you know, just because you're sponsoring the show, is that why we you know talk about the driver so much? But it, it's become kind of. It's kind of, I almost want to say commonplace, TaylorMade is the number one driver in, in golf for a reason. It wasn't always that way, was it, Cameron? Well, you know, I think, you know, our lineage obviously starts starts and stops with the driver. You know, um, you know, if, if you think of the, the single, you know, product that, you know, obviously is the, the, the starting point of our company and has been the landmark um, innovation in, in, in our brand's history has been the driver. We were the first metal wood ever built. You know, you think of, you know, prior to our existence, it was, it was wood. Um, so, you know, the driver is, is tied to, um, you know, our, our name. It's, it's in our logo. Um, it's everything that, you know, we, we start with. But, you know, I think it's, it's been awesome to see that over the years we've taken that and expanded it to, you know, really all categories of golf. You know, fairways, irons, golf balls. Uh, putter and wedge to everything right down to you know golf bags caps gloves all the you know little items that you know the players out there are going to need are going to need to compete whether it's on saturday morning with their friends or out in the pga tour it's uh it's it is something we're uh, humbly uh you know quite proud of i just i just came back from the ontario men's amateur we were down at uh, st thomas union 
and we did the club count down there, and you know, same kind of thing. We saw you know, 73 out of 156 guys were were in our driver, uh, you know, at that level. Same thing we see on tour, and it, it is funny we see it, you know, on a lot of those, you know, Saturday morning foursomes where it's, you know, it's two to the four guys or three to the four guys, and you know, and and humbly quite, quite, quite often four of the four guys. So um, it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's, it's been a it's been a cool ride over the last, you know, I'd say. 15 years specifically, you know, I've been with the company for a long time, and, and I've seen it from, you know, really the 300 series, you know, really shifting how drivers perform. Um, if you think about that before the 300 series, if you didn't like a certain company's driver, you went to a different company. Um, you know, with the 300, we had three different heads, so you know, if you wanted something that was a little bit small and compact, you had the 300, and if you wanted something that was going to get up in the air a little bit more, you could go to 320, which is a little bit shallower head. And then obviously the 360s of one that released sort of took off because at that time, 360 cc's was, was you know ginormous. It was huge. You know people couldn't believe you'd have a driver that big. And of course, obviously people would pick up distance because more forgiving and hotter face. And you know obviously the the innovation you know has sort of layered on top of each successive product after that. You know you think from there you'd go to the 500 and we'd max out um, what we call coefficient restitution, a real technical term for how hot the face can can get and and where the USGA will let us. Uh, take things, and obviously that, that presents all the the cool challenges for the engineers. And we've got some smart guys down in uh, down in California that help us with that. And you know, R7, R9, added layers of adjustability. R11, you go to you know a, a white driver, some sole adjustability. Obviously, right through into you know rocket balls, SLDR, and obviously now we've seen it with uh, with the M series. So, well, Cam, let me just stop you for a second yeah. because you know they're, they're, every everyone. It, what I guess what I was getting at is that it's become the name TaylorMade has become synonymous with a lot of things, but with with all the players on tour playing it, and as as you said, almost every foursome, amateur golfers. Um, it, it, it's interesting how it's taken over the the the, the way that uh, we think about driving a golf ball, and it has a, a mental performance aspect as well. Because when you feel confident looking down at the golf club, yeah, it, 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 it's almost there's a, a comfort around. I'm gonna. It, it feels like I'm gonna hit a good shot. I'll uh, pull, full disclosure for our audience. You know, Cam's on phone, Tim's on Skype. For some reason, I'm not technically adept enough to figure out how Tim can hear Cam. So, Tim, why don't you ask Cam a question, and then, uh, Cam, you can answer it. Tim, sure. can you can you hear me, sir? I sure can. Uh, Cam, I just want to hear about the um, kind of the evolution or the, the story, the abridged one, anyways, of the 790s. Um, I had the M1s last year, and I got fitted for the new 790s, and they're just so sweet looking. They kind of have that look of a forge club, but they still have some forgiveness and pop. I mean, I picked up about you know eight yards just by putting them in the bag. So, can you just tell us that story a little bit? Well, you know, and, and it, it's it's been a hot item. It uh, it yeah, I, I I play them too. I'm an old assistant pro, and trust me. Hey, by by the way, Cam, I'm playing them too, and and they're ridiculous. Sometimes they go too far. I go, wait a second, that wasn't supposed to go that far. We give Good the problem little, to have, eh? We give the guys a little bit of, of fair warning. We, we put them in the bag, and that's why we encourage guys to get in the launch monitor and, and and you know get their distances gapped out and figure out you know kind of what their new normal will will be. And, and obviously, there's a little bit of an adjustment, but it, it, they are a fun set of golf clubs to play with. Uh, I, I I I I can't lie, and you know. I'm not a bad player, but you know, I don't I don't play much anymore. I've got a, a little guy at home, uh, so my time is 
is compressed a bit to work on my game. And, you know, you see it. They, they, they perform. And really the, the genesis came from a guy by the name of Tomo Bystead, who's uh, head of product creation um, you know, for us down in Carlsbad. And, and Tomo's been with the company a long, long time and is a very good player in his own right and uh, has a, just a very good eye for what, what the, you know, the better player is looking for in terms of look feel and then obviously being able to deliver a new normal in terms of performance that's where this iron's kind of gone over the top and and tim to your point it, they are forged they're, it's a, it is a forged product so you know it when you talk to a better player uh, and even a player that's in an intermediate that's developing out of say um you know a set of game improvement style irons they're looking to get to that next step but they don't want to sacrifice the distance that's really where the thought process came from and, and really the only way that we were able to unlock that was uh, a material called speed foam Speed foam is just a, it's a proprietary name for us. We couldn't tell you what it, what, what it actually is, a top secret. But really, this foam allows us to create a very thin face um, that's forged in a more compact shape that delivers this very hot ball speed consistently across you know the vast majority of the face. So uh, distance is really only you know any good to the player if it's consistently long. If if you've got some hot you know in pass, we'd find the challenge would be to make an iron very long if it was hit in the center of the face. How do you make an iron that's long hit, you know, off center? So things like having a, a hollow body iron. So even though they look like a little bit of a, a muscle back, they are hollow on the interior. That's why you see a little weight poured out towards the toe. That's where they inject speed foam that envelops the space on the inside of the club and it allows us to keep things thin exactly where you want it. We have a little bit of tungsten placed out towards the toe to help make sure that the sweet spot is aligned up, you know, directly in the center of the face where you'd expect it to be. Um, and it really allows them to have the tools that, that they need to do the job to deliver this, you know, you know, beautiful product that allows guys to hit shots. I mean, I, I hit one, yeah, I hit one into 16 at Glen Abbey yesterday, and I was lucky I cut a good drive. I hit it down the hill, and I had, it was into the wind, you know, pretty hard. It was 185 yards up a hill, uh, and normally I'd be thinking, you know, kind of, that's, you know, if I really hit a good five iron, that would be a good shot. And mm-hmm. Hit six iron right to the back of the green. <laughs> no, I know. And it's and you kind of you, you stay there scratching your head like, yeah, I just hit that shot. And, you know, it makes you feel a little, a little well, better than you probably. Have. You know, I I can't. I have so I've been using them now for a couple months. In fact, Cameron yeah. and uh, who else was in the? I had like three guys fitting me that day at TaylorMade. It was you and Karen, Karen and Kevin, and I had a whole bunch of guys helping me out that day. And uh, you know, I I pretty decent club head speed you know i'm a for for an old man and i i can't tell you cameron how many times i've had that experience when i was getting used to them where i was like okay my seven iron usually flies you know 160 165 and you can i've seen my numbers enough to know them yeah and then i would get on the golf course and all of a sudden you know i take a chance and now it's flying 170 168 172 173 and it took a bit of an adjustment mentally to know that 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 power is there and and you know you said something interesting about intermediate players which is the most most of golf trying you know moving on to a uh a better club and this is such a perfect gapping for them not to use a club term but mm-hmm. because all of a sudden they can look down and and i've been using forge clubs since before you were born they look down and it looks like a player's club but they're getting the kind of performance that you want from a little bit of a little bit of help and you know what as guys even tour players everyone wants a little bit of extra something there's a reason tiger is using your driver he doesn't have to yeah. he's using it because there's some help there for him and his you know, occasional big miss. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the biggest feature of those clubs are is that 
You know, it used to be that better players didn't want to use game performance uh, clubs because it made, you know, something about their ego. But now we, I don't think we care. I don't care if I've got a hybrid or I've got a, you know, what doesn't, I just want the club to hit the ball to go somewhere near the green. Correct. And, you know, I, I think you, you, you nail it right in the head. And, you know, we, you'll see sometimes on a product sheet, you'll see something that, you know, is aimed at a, Five to fifteen handicapper, you know, maybe ten handicap and above, or you know, it's designed for the you know developing player. But truthfully, you know, what we've seen lately, and you know, the mantra we, we, we hand down to our fitters, you know, across the country is really you know, we, we work to fit the guys by size, speed, and their ability. You know, if you think about it, you might have a player that you know might not be scoring that well yet, but you know, they can generate decent clubhead speed, and you know, sometimes taking them out of a, a game improvement product allows them to develop that skill set, and, and all of a sudden. You know, become a little bit more precise. Learn a little bit more of the you know the finer elements of playing the sport, rather than just you know what we would typically focus on if you were in a in a fitting bay at a at a golf store or on a driving range at your local club, and you're hitting you know shots off a flat surface. And you know, hey, the, these numbers are great in the launch monitor. It's how do you actually play the game? And sometimes when you get into something that's got a little bit more of a compact shape and it's you know still delivering some great distance for you, that's where players can take their game to the next level. Um, speaking of players taking it to the next level, and Tim, I've got Tim, I, I've, yeah. I've hung up on Tim on Skype, and now I'm having him call on the phone. I'm trying to handle this technically, like a golf game. Things are changing. How, um, I want to make have you make this point, because, you know, Tim and I, uh, you know, are lucky enough to know all you guys, and we get fit, and I love it. I'm such a golf geek, you know. I'll tell you a quick story. I met this woman I'm dating now about eight months ago, and she said, oh, you golf? I said, yeah. And she says, well, my brother golfs. And I said, I don't think he does. <laughs> she said, well, you know, what do you mean? And then a few months later when I got my tailor-made fitting, I sent her a picture of me in the lab covered in, in lights. And I said, this is what golf looks like. This is what a nerd looks like. How important, and this isn't just a plug for tailor-made, but just in general as a good player or someone who wants to be a better player, how important is being fit when it comes to getting new clubs? Well, you know, think about the clothes you wear. You know, if, if you walk out of, you know, a menswear store and you bought a suit that's the wrong size, well, you've not really got the best in value. So, um, you know, it, we're able to tailor these products really for any shape or size, uh, whether you're whether you're tall or short, but, you know, depending on, you know, the path you swing the club on or how you swing or, or how you're being trained by your coach. Um, or if you don't have a coach at all, you need some, some, some help to, to compensate for some misses. Um, you're leaving a lot of performance on the table. As, as great as the products are, you know, truly, you know, we, we make some unbelievable stuff that uh, helps deliver you know, new launch windows and better distance and all these great things. But really, they work to their fullest extent when they're fit to your style of play. Um, and even if you're just starting to, to put your feet in the water and you're maybe a little bit tentative, you, you think that you might not be able to, to be good enough to be fit, you're exactly the person that needs to be fit. Because mm-hmm. There's likely some uh, benefit to, uh, to, to dialing in what works for your game. And even if you only start with a few clubs at, at first, um, you know, well, I would say if I, I'm not a, I, I would say not being an expert, I say if you're going to get fit for, if you're getting a new driver and, and it should be a tailor-made driver, you're going to want to get fit for it. Yeah. Well, it, you know, and if you, if you were just to take three clubs, you know, your driver, your putter and your wedge probably account for 75% of your shots. So if you're, you know, if, if you're say, if you're new to the, new to the sport, maybe and you're, you know, okay, I'm going to put my foot in the water just a little bit, go and get yourself a driver that really works well for your game. Right. That's, you know, if you can't get off the tee, it's, it's very hard to advance your ability to score. If you can't stay to the trees, you can't stay to the water, you can't get over the water. That's, you know, job one. Mm-hmm. From there, it's, 
you know, all the shots you have in and around the greens. We've got some great options now, you know, with whether it's Spider or the TP putter. We've got two great ranges that are you know, fully customizable. You might see them in the pro shop, you know, at 35 inch in standard length, but we can have them trimmed to a certain length for you. Uh, we can bend the line in the loft, which a lot of people don't know about. Same thing goes as wedges. We saw a lot of people that, you know, sort of just go in and buy the same old wedge with the same old design, the same steel shaft that weighs 130 grams, and there's you know, likely a level of performance going to help you to chip and pitch a little bit better to get you that much close to the hole. And maybe, you know, for you, it's about not making double and make it maybe that one extra bogey around that helps you get under 90. 100%. All right. Now through the magic of editing, Tim, can you hear me? I can. I can. I can Tim, hear you. Tim, can you hear Tim? Loud and clear. Tim, can you hear Cam? I can. All right. Um, we'll just pick it up. Cam was uh, talking about um, fitting and how the very least you need is driver, wedge, and putter. Let's um, <laughs> let's pivot away a little bit and, and just quickly, you know, a lot of guys, what you said, a lot of people don't think they're good enough yeah. to get fit and to get better clubs. And in actual fact, that's what you need to get better. And you need to do it before you buy the clubs. It's probably the biggest thing we see is we see a lot of players you know, work afterwards. But, but, Tim, I'll let you fire away. I, got, I loved the whole process of getting fitted. Even that was really cool. You, you see your swing. You work with someone who's really knowledgeable. But, um, you know, I've been fit a number of times, and it is, it's just a really fun, interesting process. And to, to go through and see how when you use different club heads, different kinds of shafts, different weights, and, and you know, because all the numbers are up there, and you just see in real time the difference it makes. Um, it really gives you an insight on in how, if you have proper equipment, it just really helps your game. And it's, it's certainly not just the, um, the space of, you know, what you might call a good player. Uh, every golfer will um, benefit from fitting because, you know, it's, it, you get clubs that are built for you, you know, around, you know, your flexibility, your strength. Yeah, but Timmy, uh, don't, don't you think, and Cam, maybe you can also answer this, don't you think it also goes to confidence? It's, oh, it's, yeah. And you don't want to be one of those people that starts chasing numbers, but once you feel like you've been, as you said, if you have a set of clothes that you know fit you, you feel more confident that you don't look like a complete idiot. Right, Cam? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and it is true. And, and a lot of times it is something just along the fact that, you know, not everybody is, you know, five foot ten and standard lie and standard loft. There's going to be some variable, and, and, and it might be just that one little small thing that makes all the difference in the world for putting that on ball. And, uh, you know, we see it every day, but and the, and the other, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the barrier people might be fearful of is, you know, the, is the cost. And, um, you know, obviously we have, you know, rather uh, sophisticated high-tech uh, spaces like the Performance Lab or our Performance Centers Coast to Coast. We do run a number of fitting events. A lot of our, our, our customers have our fitting cart where you can, you know, pop in and work with them, you know, at no charge and, and, uh, and at least have the, a chance to go and experience the product before you, you make a purchase, which is going to present the best value, I think, for the player that uh, is coming in. And you know, we see it a lot of the times where, you know, players will make a product uh, purchase and then, you know, not necessarily regret it, but think like, oh, you know, maybe there's some more performance here, but you know, it's a matter of, you know, swapping out the engine of your car. It's, you know, there's a there's a there's a cost of that, and um, it's not always the best uh, process to go through. And usually, if you can go and spend some time with, a, you know, a fitter, you know, at the very outset of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about making a, a, a purchase on a new set of clubs. 
you know, go through the process first, take in some information. You can see what the benefit is compared with your existing clubs and obviously make an educated purchase from there. I think that alone just gives you the confidence, the fact that, hey, I'm getting great value out of this set. And, you know, I'm starting to see my scores improve as a result. Well, I can tell you, having been a, uh, you know, decent player for a long time, it wasn't until I met you guys, you know, four or five years ago that I actually was ever fitted properly through the set. And I can tell you, it makes a huge difference. TaylorMade, the number one driver in golf for a reason. Uh, We have a couple things uh, in the works. We all kind of talked about doing some giveaways. And uh, I had this idea for a uh, Howard and Tim uh, uh, listener Ryder Cup. And we'll get a hold of you again, Cameron, and uh, get you to uh, maybe participate and get you on the golf course this summer before the uh, snow flies again. And thank you so much for helping us out with the show. It really makes a lot of uh, difference for us. And it gives us some credibility. and, And I know we both appreciate it. Hey, thanks for you guys for uh, you guys are doing a, a lot of great stuff. You know, I uh, I've always wanted to say it's a first time caller. <laughs> but, you know, you guys you guys you guys, you guys do a, a great job, and, and you know we appreciate what you guys do to uh, develop you know the sport in our country and and drive some interest uh, you know across the board. So uh, keep it up, and uh, look forward to seeing you down the road. All right, Cammy, take care, man. Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks, Cam. There's Cameron Jacobs. Well. You know, when we listen back to the show at some point, you'll see you started on Skype. We couldn't hear this, and that happened there. And now you're on the phone, and that's, that's you know what? It's like a game of golf. That's it. It's like uh, we're, things were evolving. Things were changing. Uh, I apologize to our listeners. I, I, felt, I know I was a little distracted there because I was texting with Tim, trying to get you on Skype, trying to call you on the phone. But uh, now we're uh, now we've got a couple of holes under our belt. <laughs> you know what? It's all right. You know we're even par. You know we struggled. We got up we had and some. Down yeah, we got up and down a couple times there. <laughs> oh man! It, it looked bleak, but we managed to pull it together, and and we're still going. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, we've got through the first four or five holes. We got we got stung on a couple, and now we're here. Uh, I, I I really you know I was very nice of Cameron to say that about. But I'll tell you, it really, you know, I was a member of a, of a pretty good golf course, and I had, you know, decent clubs. I mean, I bought good clubs. But, you know, it was, Timmy, it's weird. I never got, you know, properly fit. I never got fit. Like, the thing about the TaylorMade experience is you get fit like a tour player. Oh, yeah. You know, you go in there, and, and it's, and it, they, you know, they spend time with you making sure that what you're using is, is right for you. And it's a really unique experience, and we both recommend it to everyone if you have a chance yeah, if, to. If you're a golfer, it's, it's it's a bucket list item, I think. Yes. Because it's just so interesting how they go through. It's, it's, it's almost like first high <laughs> school disclosure. First time I went through therapy, it's like, oh, it's okay to talk about me and focus on me, <laughs> you know? And it's like, wow, this is going on in my swing and this and that and so it's just it's just very cool. But just one point, I think what fitting does is it 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 allowed me just to to have that sense of feel. When I put that club down there, it feels right, and you know because it's it's the right weight for me. And when I take on the backswing, it feels balanced. It just makes it feel better. And when that part of the game is taking care of itself. Um, you tend to hit the ball a lot better. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't remember if you were there in between Skype and phones. I said, you know what? There really is, because Cam was talking about a lot of the tailor-made stuff from a technical standpoint and the evolution of the driver, because I find it interesting that, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the number one name in driving a golf ball wasn't tailor-made, but somewhere in the last 20 years, that's what it became. 
And I said to him, you know, when you when you put that club down, just as you said, there's a feeling of confidence knowing that, okay, I know this is the right thing for me. Um, on the show today, I wanted to uh, discuss a couple quick things, a couple things, actually. Uh, one was uh, some golf news this week, and I wanted to get your take on it, because I don't think you and I, uh, Tim and I got a chance to play golf together for the first time in 2018 a couple nights ago. I'm not sure if we talked about Tiger versus Phil. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Oh, boy. Um, a loop. I think it could be entertaining, but if it's on and I miss it, believe me, it's not something that I would PVR or anything. Um, you know, it could be it, it could be interesting. It, it just seems to me a little bit of, of I don't know, grasping. I don't know. It's... It, and plus the fact I don't really like Phil very much <laughs> to be honest he just grates on me and uh, so you know I don't know I, I'm, I'm willing to be open to it and perhaps I'd be surprised uh, but I, I just can't get over my initial sort of antagonism but, uh, there you go well you know and I say this with all you know love and due respect you sound like an old man <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it sort of did didn't it um you know, I'm a super Tiger fan, and I've hated Phil longer than you've been alive. Uh, but having said that, here's the problem with, you know, I shouldn't say the problem. Let me just read you the, uh, uh, we're, we're recording this on Friday the uh, 13th. And uh, Tim and I usually, you know, get together around 10 minutes before 7 o'clock on a Friday morning when I'm not doing the Humble and Fred show, and we get ready to do our show. And you know, on this particular Friday, here are the leaders of the current, uh, you know, PGA Tour stop. Steve Weecroft, Michael Kim, Johnson Wagner, Nick Taylor, Andres Romero, Joel Dahman, Scott Brown, and Francesco Molinari. Unless you're Howard or Tim, and we're all, he and I are familiar with those names. Most people, you know, I'll use Fred as an example. Fred is a, uh, a sports fan, but he, he knows not one of those players, including the Canadian Nick Taylors. Never heard of him. Right. But so what's what's the problem with the sport is in order to get a casual sports fan back on if it's not Dustin Johnson or Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas, you know, the guys like Fred have no interest in it. But you put Tiger and Phil on TV, you know, you're going to get some of the, you're going to get all of us, the nerds. And I, I know when I when I said you sound like an old man, I, you would watch it. Your your initial reaction might be fair. But when it's on, I promise you, it'll be of an interest enough. I mean, it's Tiger and Phil. It's like Jack and Arnie. So yeah, yeah, I know, but you initially asked me what I thought about it. So from my personal reaction, it was kind of, eh, I don't care. Um, but when you took look at that wider context of what it means for, for the golf fan, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. And there'll, there'll probably be some actual genuine moments mixed in with the saccharine ones. Oh, my yeah, God. yeah. Um, well, do you remember, you know, for years, for 25 years, they did the Skins game on uh, in Thanksgiving weekend or the American Thanksgiving weekend. And it was it was kind of a cool thing to see Trevino kibitz with Nicholas back in the day. And it was, you know, I know Saccharin and made for TV, but was somewhat interesting. Well, actually, you know, if it provides an opportunity for some real banter that you can hear Tiger and Phil talk about different stuff, um, they're both extremely smart guys. So... From that aspect, it'd probably be really, really uh, entertaining, and they're both they they both want to you know stomp on each other's necks as competitors. So, you know, maybe it 
it probably will be something pretty entertaining. It'll be packaged up really cool. Uh, so yeah, it'll probably be something really to watch. So so maybe I can talk myself out of my hand. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because I, I listen to uh, Hank Haney on uh, PGA Tour Radio. He's a show every day between ten and noon called Hank Haney's Golf Radio or whatever. And, and you know, he's a you know obviously a a Tiger fan from having coached him, but. You know, he thinks sort of... I, I don't know how much of a fan he is. Well, you know, it's funny. It is, I, You know, you wouldn't think so initially, but I listen to him all the time, and I'm surprised he, even though, you know, he wrote that book, The Big Miss, he's still a Tiger fan as a golfer uh, and wants him... It seems like he's pulling for Tiger to do well, and he likes Phil. And that was his point, too. He said, you know, basically, the casual golf fan, the Freds of the world that, you know, might watch the Masters. And, and as Fred said to me on the show a, mu- a bunch of times, when Tiger's playing, he, you know, he's watching and he couldn't care less about Andres Romero or Patrick Rogers or Kelly Kraft. And, and, you know, the thing is, guys like you and I, I'll watch the PGA Tour this weekend if I had a chance to because I like watching, you know, the top-level players play. All right. So is, is that why... I don't know. Like I'll occasionally put on, like if I'm on the road or something in the, in the states, I might put on, like say, you know, uh, Boston Bruins versus Florida Panthers. I think, oh, hockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but That's within it. five minutes, but within five minutes, I'm kind of bored. Uh, Unless the storyline develops. Because yeah, because I'm not connected. You know, even though I can respect, you know, Brad Marshall or whatever. I mean. Um, or Robert or Luongo for Florida, I'm not in, invested emotionally. So I think maybe that's what happens in in sports is that you've got to have you know some skin in the game in terms of who you really care about. And so I guess for golf, if you connect that to, to Tiger and Phil, you know they've been around so long. You know the stars of the game really. Um, yeah, people have they're connected to them. So I can see why there'd be that attraction. Yeah, and that, that was a great analogy about hockey. It's like, uh, you know, you, if you're a fan of the sport, you'll watch it no matter who's playing. And, and unless there's some kind of developing, you know, if they, all of a sudden they go into overtime, you might see, want to see how it, you know, plays out. But for me as a golf fan, I won't watch the John Deere Classic Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But on a Sunday afternoon, I'll carve out a couple hours to see how it finishes. I, I love watching golf at the end. That's my attraction to television golf is because, you know, every Sunday – there's going to be a winner of a championship. That's right, and even even uh, U.S. Opens these days, if, if it did go, um, no longer the, the Monday playoff. But anyways, um, yeah, I just like to see. You're, you're right. On Sunday afternoon, you're going to see the drama, even if it's someone you don't even know. It's really interesting to see. You know, are you know are they going to hold up? Yeah. You know, how they do it under the strain. What's the storyline? How many times has he been in a position to win but didn't do it? You know, is he going to come through? You know, is I love all that. Run on, is his girlfriend going to run on the green? Do they have kids? You know, when Kevin Na, last week Kevin Na won oh, his. Oh, yeah, won that was his, great. He won his second tournament, and even though he had a five-shot lead, and most people would have bailed by that point, for all those reasons you, you just named, I was like, I wonder, you know, I want to see how Kevin Na reacts to his second tour event, and, and win, I should say, and he... Uh, you know, he got emotional and it was a very big deal. And uh, oh yeah, that last fifteen or twenty minutes, the only you know, there was some, there was an interest in the story. 
Yeah, well, I think that's a perfect example of what we're talking about. When you when you care, like I, Kevin Na is an interesting character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was accused of being like dead slow. Uh, I remember some videos of him a couple of years ago when he, in his swing, he was taking a swing and then he he took a swing and like he bailed, you know, on his on his yeah he balked. Swing. yeah something like that. And so he made, he swung and he missed, you know, and it was like. Um, you know, but it wasn't a stroke because it, he intentionally bailed on it. So it was, um, you know, anyways, it was really interesting. And he's an outspoken guy. And um, I remember before uh, the U.S. Open at, uh, I think it was Aaron Hills, there was a lot of controversy around the length of the fescue. And, and he put a video out and all this. So there's a lot of people who've got some, you know, they, he's one of those guys you like Kevin or you don't like him. And, I kind of like him. He's a feisty guy. And well, the fact is, there's a story. He had an interesting yeah. uh, uh, backstory, and it made his win yeah. somewhat satisfying to watch. Yeah. And plus the fact, someone put a video out saying, or a piece saying that, video, that, that even though he's about 35 now, he looks exactly the same as when he was 17. <laughs> <laughs> and he is a feisty competitor. He's a very, very, very fine player. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. Now, um, we played, Tim and I played on uh, Wednesday uh, a couple nights ago, our first round of 2018, and it was, uh, as I was explaining to my uh, new girlfriend last night, I said, uh, she asked me how it went, I said, you know, Tim and I rarely get a chance to geek out while the game is playing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, we were riding together, and it was like a four-hour and 15-minute version of this show. <laughs> Except we got to do it in real time. We got we got to talk about not only the uh, the guys we were playing with who were basically insulting each other continually. That yeah, was Needle City, my um, God. But it was also fun to kind of comment on each other and to help each other. Uh, you know, a couple swing things, a couple mental things, and to uh, just to experience. You know, kind of what brought us together initially, which is our mutual fascination with. The minutia of this sport, uh, and hopefully the people that listen to it are attracted to it because it really is what we do. Like this conversation isn't much different than the one we had, you know, a couple nights ago. It just happened to be in a, you know, in in a cart. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. It was really fun. I I loved how you would uh, you were like a PGA Tour caddy, man. So what's the shot here? And and there's the window here. Don't even consider (laughs) the left side. Don't go there. (sighs) Well, I was trying to... Can you commit to this club and all this? It was great. Well, I was trying to do what you've taught me to do. Especially with somebody I love. I I try and be a good partner and a friend. But because it was my course, and I know you speak the similar language, I tried to caddy for you like I would, you know, if you were like... To, to play because uh, we would talk over the shot. I'd say you're you know you're 162, but it's playing this, and you know there's your if you want to start it there, that's fine. You you know all that stuff, and and we just done the decade golf thing together, so we're both kind of familiar with that language. And you know it's always I think people have maybe they're tired of me saying how uh, fine a player I think you are. You know you, you you really do hit the golf you really hit the golf ball you know very very nicely, and I play with a lot of good players. You know I mean. You, your your handicap isn't indicative of what your your motion is. Like your 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 golfing motion is very uh, pleasing. Whereas I don't watch a lot of players. I think I've made this point because of I don't want to like I don't watch the two guys we were playing with. I never saw them swing. 
I saw their golf yeah. balls, but I can't watch them swing. No, 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 but you did watch Diego. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only guy, I mean, you pointed out, he's the only guy you've ever seen who, as he starts his backswing, his eyes track to to the shaft or the club head. So about, you know, he takes it almost to about halfway, and then his eyes come back to the ball. I've never seen that. Isn't that weird? Oh, yeah. It's, I don't know if you folks understand. I said to Tim, I said, watch this. And and as you said, as his, as the club is going back, his eyes turn to the right, yeah. and then when the club disappears, his eyes go back to the ball. It's the craziest, and he can roast it, man. Oh yeah, good. former junior hockey player. Oh yeah, they're both big guys. Both Diego and Raj are six three, six four, and they just hit it like young, strong men. But your golf swing, I watched all the way around. Part of it is because I I I, I admire it, but I mean, there's a, there's a pleasing motion to it, you know. Tour players used to say that when they played with Freddie Couples and back in the day Sam Snead, they loved playing with those guys because their rhythm, they picked up on the rhythm of their swings while they were playing with them. Oh, yeah. Well, you always, I think your game always improves when you play with a better player and because you pick up on their rhythm and the way they respond and, and just, you just watch it's it, you know as kids that's how we learn is mimics yeah so i think it's really good to play with a, a better player and so so that's where like i'm going to go with this is that like when you set up over the ball you look just so balanced and comfortable and really athletic like you're not a big guy like diego or raj but you rip it man and that's largely i think just from having a really sound swing you're limber you know for an ancient man <laughs> thanks yeah i'm a very old yeah. man and you but jeez you want to get into it now uh, sure <laughs> you but, but before wait a second what, what did we get what did you say when i talked over you <laughs> you were staking it man i mean like oh I, yeah hitting it close well your, your irons were great like how many how many Birdie putts did you have within like say twelve feet? Well, okay. Well, let's, before we tell the story, I, the, I just want to be just want to be before I get off the golf swing. The reason, and I recommend this to other people: if you're playing with somebody like Tim or maybe myself, it's fine to watch their golf swing because you'll pick up on some of it. But when you're playing with somebody that's got a you know a regular motion or they 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 thrash at it, I recommend not looking at it oh, because yeah. you know and and. You know, I can pick up the flight of the ball as soon as I hear that. Just because that's not what you want to look at all day. So <clears throat> we played together, Tim. Oh yeah, yeah. Can I, can I just interject? Yes, here? please. I just, I, <laughs> so in the university golf championship, uh, just not concluded, but seventeen, uh, we get to Tangle Creek in Barrie, and Nick Stryker, one of my guys, but he. He hits his ball, and then this this other lad from, we'll just say, you know, uh, a university in southern Ontario. The guy gets over the ball, and he, like, he pauses, he moves, he kind of flinches, regrips, regrips. It takes a guy, no kidding, about 35 seconds to hit the ball. And it's like forever and ever. And I just said, to, as soon as the guy hit... I called Nick over and said, Nick, you're not watching another swing he makes all day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just don't watch. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I just had to tell that story. Well, no, it's, it's, it, and it's funny because I didn't, I never understood this. My, uh, you know, my coach, Paul Henrik, is the one that taught me that. He said, if somebody has a great golf swing, watch it. He said, if they don't, 
you know, like your, a lot of the guys, you know, the country club guys I play with. He said, I don't want you to watch it because I don't want you to, because you will definitely, you'll, your subconscious picks up on things. Yeah. Whether and it's, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Whether it's pace or whether it's form, something will bleed into, you know, and, and I watch you because I've said this, I watch you because, you know, you, you look like a golfer. You look like you're about to hit a good shot. So Wednesday, uh, we played together, and I said to Tim on the second hole, I said, because uh, I haven't played very many casual rounds of golf, and I sort of consider men's night and, and the Saturday morning game I play in somewhere in between. It's not a tournament round, but it's a round that counts. You have to put everything out, and your, your score is posted. So, But I, I make a decision usually before the round, and I say to myself, I'm either going to use this round to practice some things, and or I'm going to use this round to get into tournament mode, or some days I use a little hybrid. And I said to Tim today, I'm going to be doing some play and some practice, and I was going to leave the play to my full game and the practice to my short game because I've been working on my putting and chipping. Is that is that true so far, counselor? Yeah, uh, every word you say resonates with me. <laughs> and sure. then. But that was, you know, so I, I decided that over my longer shots, I would be in play mode and be real considerate and do all the things we do. And then over my shorter ones, I was thinking more about my technique. Well, lo and behold, I hit 13 greens in regulation. I did them. I've done these stats, so I'll have them for you. 13 greens in regulation. The uh, of nine of those 13 greens, I was within I was inside 15 feet. And, and I'm not exaggerating. I was I was close on four of them. I was inside six feet on four. And uh, but I was I was way above tour average proximity to the hole from those yardages. It was crazy. And oh, yeah. so what happened was the and we're getting to the frustration. What happened was I was in play mode on on all of those, and yet I sank none of them. I made one putt. I also three putted four times, and I had a couple others because I snap hooked one out of bounds in on the golf course. But that isn't the point. So what happened was as the round was going on and I was in play mode with my full swing, working on some putting stuff, um, you know, obviously I didn't sink anything. And, you know, a couple of those putts weren't terrible and a couple didn't go in. But the frustration of not making anything started to get to me. And on the third or fourth last hole, I, uh, you know, hit a good drive in a par five. I hit a uh, three wood near the green. I chipped up to four and a half feet and I missed it. And I, uh, I got angry for a, a second or two. Mm-hmm. And then, as I yeah. said to Tim, and we walked to the next tee, I said, uh, you know, the difference between what just happened when I screamed the F word uh, quite, you know, emphatically, the difference between right. that and the, the way I used to play is that would have been the end of the day. And right. all I did on the next tee is get up and I, you know, roasted another drive, hit another shot from 190 yards to 15 feet and missed the putt. <laughs> <laughs> so now what's your version of the story? He said, he said. Oh, well, that, that, that's what happened for sure. Yeah, you told me that you're going to try a few things. Sure. Well, what was interesting to me, let me ask you, is that you, so what happened there was that you didn't quite set yourself up so that you could have a, a, a round where you could genuinely learn. So, so you said, I'm going to try a few things. And so what I would say is that whenever you're going to try a few things, the next thing to say to yourself is, and I don't give a crap where the ball goes, and I don't give a crap 
about my score. And if it's about putting, I don't give a crap if anything go in. Because as soon as you start trying to, to, to change your motion of any kind, you're getting in your own way. And if you care, you're just going to cause yourself frustration. Well, the funny thing was I wasn't getting, you know, it, if I just had like, you know, I, I, I routinely hit a lot of greens. You know, 13 is, you know, pretty high for me, but I'm all, I'm routinely, you know, fairly close to that. The thing that I'm you not, are, yeah. ru- I'm not routinely is as close to the hole as I was. If I had just hit a bunch of greens and had 25, 30 footers all day, I would have, because I was there to practice my lag putting and I've been working on some stuff on my putting stroke. But all of a sudden, Pardon me? You still cared? You still cared whether they win it or not? Well, the funny thing is, I I, I cared more. I, I ironically enough, I cared more because I was hitting them close. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the that's the ironic thing. I know. So that's where you kind of. I got caught in know, the middle of it a little bit. You did, yeah, and and who could blame me for gosh sakes? But it was only you know, toward the end. It was like the ninth time I was within four or five or six or ten feet. It was. Like, you know, and it became kind of one of the, you know, golf's self-fulfilling prophecies. Like, oh, here, you know, I'm almost in my mind. I'm like, God dang it. You know, when am I going to sink one of these? And I'd forgotten that I wasn't there to sink any putts. I was there to work on my putting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, um, and you know what? You're, I honestly think that um, you're such, you're, I always thought you're a really good putter. You, you released, you know, we talked about, I love how you, kind of release your right wrist mm-hmm. you know and, and we talked a little bit about that how that's that natural motion allowing kind of the mass of the club it doesn't get too technical but it's it's just a pure natural motion it's almost like when you when you, when you hammer a nail in there's just a thing that happens with the with the the mass of it starts it goes forward the same thing happens in your in in a putty stroke when you allow it to be free and that's where i got a better sense of that freedom and if you may recall, while your putting, your putting was kind of not so great, my putting was awesome. <laughs> no, it was amazing. And a lot of it was just was was kind of like you've got just such a nice syrupy stroke, and 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 watching that and just kind of letting her go, that that part of that. Um, but it's, I always just think that when we're on the golf course. Um, you know, trying different shots for sure. So you can stay in that mode of okay, this is this round is about learning. Okay, fine. I'm divorced from result. But when we're on the golf course, um, generally, whenever I hear anyone saying they're trying to do this, I just go, okay, best of luck, young lad or miss. But you're gonna be. That's just a complete recipe for paralysis by analysis. Get in your own way. And blocking flow. Oh, for your sure. Bo- your body knows what to do. You know, and, and so that's that's why I was kind of working with you a little bit on that last green. You know, after we that on that par three in that last hole was just you know just getting you to connect to just like be present to the feel of your putter and your body. No, I was going to say for sure. You know, like if we, you know, the problem with doing what I was doing on a men's night is I still have to post a score. If you and I had just gone out. Like I did yeah. yesterday with my coach, and we went. We went. Or we. It was. I'll tell you about that in a second. But because I still had to post a number, it it clouded what I was there to do, which was to work on to to get my. Because I've really been working pretty hard on my putting lately, and I love where it's going. I just wanted to have a, a round where I was slightly not caring about it 
again, the irony is I started hitting it so close, it made it seem like I should sink some of those. And when I started not to sink them, I kept, I still kept hitting it close, and that started to weigh on me a little bit. Full, dis- I mean, I wasn't, believe me, folks, I wasn't pissed off. We had a lovely time, and it, again, it wasn't until the last, you know, the last four and a half footer I missed that I, that I got frustrated. It was like, oh, my goodness. But that being said, it was it was too I, – I was still invested somehow in my brain with getting a number. When really, if you and I were out playing around for funsies one evening, I would have nothing invested in those putts, no matter how close I hit them, because it's all just there to play around and enjoy, Right. Yeah, but you're also exceedingly normal, for God's sake. You miss some putts, you're going to get frustrated. For sure. I mean, you know, in, in an ideal world, I would be like, okay, today I'm into uh, working on my stroke and learning. So I will, you know, like as if. We're not robots. Sure, but I guess the takeaway for the swing thought nerds is, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, whenever you're in... To, you, you can't be both. You can't have one foot in the practice and one foot into play. And, you know, if you're going to be playing and posting a score, then, you know, you if you truly don't care what that score is, then that's fine. But I got caught, like a lot of golfers, in that, oh, wow, I'm hitting it pretty good today. I, you know, and all of a sudden your expectations go up. Anyway, you know. Yeah, well, so, so full disclosure, you used that word, uh, phrase a couple uh, sentences ago. So full disclosure, did you have any concern that, you know, as, as your score was, you know, you have to three putts and you weren't making birdies, that your score would be posted and they would go, oh, that's not Howard's usual deal? No. He's, no, okay. Not at all. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know what, it's funny, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that because my ego self a worth as a golfer, I don't care what the number is anymore. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't need to, I, I know because I've gotten comfortable with the fact that I am who I am, whether I shoot 80 or I shoot 70. To me, it's all about process. And that night, my processes got interrupted. And I was more frustrated at myself than I was at the score. I was frustrated at the, myself that I couldn't continue, that I wasn't being true to my word, which was, doesn't matter if it goes in or not, we're working on some stuff. Yeah, you know, so so on that note, uh, you know, talking about geeking out, uh, I remember on the one on one green where the uh, where a word that rhymes with truck uh, <laughs> erupted, and and you know, there's some guys who made some noise on an adjacent tee. Twice it happened and, to me in my backstroke. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of see. So uh, any kind of observer would have thought, oh, he's mad at those guys for making noise and stuff. But oh, yeah. As we talked, as we talked about it, what you were really angry about is that you didn't step away. You didn't have the presence to just go, okay, bail, bail, abort, abort. And you stuck with it. You know, it was, so it was kind of a pseudo, as we've discussed before, in any way shot. But that was interesting, is that what the anger was actually really at yourself. Uh, that happened twice. It happened, you know, I, I missed a four-footer for par two greens before, and I missed a four-footer for birdie, birdie two greens next, hence I should say, and both times there was a noise just as I took the putter back, and I was pissed that I didn't stop because if anyone should know better, it's you and I. And yet, as you say, we're human, 
And mm-hmm. sometimes in the field of play, we forget that. Now, uh, I have no problem stepping away from a shot when you're, you know, again, I think a lot of it goes to, you know, as rounds go on, our energy depletes and we're not as present and on and on and on. But I would tell you, um, golf's always a learning experience. And uh, one of the things I got to show my good friend Tim O'Connor is you can get mad because, you know, if, if you kids listening think that, you know, but you're not, this isn't about not getting mad. It's about getting, it's about, you know, getting pissed off and then moving on. It's, as I said to girlfriend Rachel last night, I said, the great thing about golf, it teaches us that there are moments and then you move on from them. It's what you do after chaos happens. And when we walked to that next, when we walked or when we got drove to the next tee box and I, uh, I took a couple extra seconds to kind of go, okay, what do I want to do now? Like, what do I want this? How do I want to show up in this next moment? And that's the difference between where I was when this show started and where I am now. Because I hit two quality shots immediately after getting, you know, pretty pissed. Not not grossly pissed off, but I got pissed off. Yeah, that's, that's cool. So what you're articulating there is reacting, which is totally normal. You know, get frustrated, whatever, and then. But it's how do you respond? Yes, and it's, and it's being aware. Oh, okay, I'm a little bit agitated right now. Um, okay, what do I need to do? Uh, breathe a bit, walk around, drink a water, calm myself, breathe. Just listen to my buddy Tim or something like that, yep. and just settle myself. The heck down <laughs> you know that's that's responding uh but we all react because we're we're you're human beings we're not robots and and i remember watching uh you know our good friend charles fitzsimmons who's this you know he's a sports psychologist he you know he's a, he's one of the better amateurs in ontario i think he's uh i think right now he's in the top 10 in, in the ontario am right now fun around today at st thomas um, I watched him in the OUA championship last year, and he missed putts, and, you know, he look at the sky and kind of plead and grunt and stuff, but he just gets himself uh, together, and, he, you know, you see him just kind of do his uh, amble onto the next tee, and he's ready to go. Well, yeah, Charles is a good friend of mine. I play a lot of golf with him, and, uh, you know, as a guy that's getting his Ph.D. in, you know, psychology sports with a sports psychology, you know, bent yeah we talk about it all the time you know getting what you just said is it there's response and there's reacting let me tell you what charles fitzsimmons soon to be dr charles let me tell you where golf is as a priority and he's one of the finer amateurs in the country and as you said as we record this he's currently in sixth place at the ontario amateur six cool and he's withdrawn and I talked to him last night. I said, uh, "Chucky, what's going on?" He said, "Howard, I, for, I don't you remember because we were we hung out last week when we're playing an invitational together." He said, "Don't you remember I told you about my brother's wedding?" I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, my brother is getting married today, this Friday, in the afternoon in Toronto, and uh, you know, unfortunately, I I'm he wants I'm his best man, and he wanted me there in the mid afternoon, and I." I said, well, didn't you know that before the tournament started? He said, yeah, but I kind of thought if I you know, didn't play all that well, I could play early on Friday morning and still make the wedding. And he said, I said, Chuck, you're the only guy I know who'd be in sixth place in the Ontario Amateur and then say, nah, it's just a golf tournament. Exactly. 
You know, uh, and and yeah, he he would have liked to gone to St. Thomas today and see how he'd finish. But I said, listen, dude, look at this way. Garrett Rank's going to win it anyway. And he laughed and he said, you know, it, it would have been really tough if he'd have been in second or third place a couple shots back. But that's what I like about him is he's got such a great perspective. He's like, it's my brother's wedding. You know, what am I? And that's a golf tournament. Yeah. So, so to me, golfers who have longevity, like who play well at a high level for a long time, to me, one of the common characteristics is that they are grounded. It's not, you know, winning is fine. It's great. They, they, they're competitors. They want to win. But if they don't, it's not the end of the world. And it just doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean a ton, quite frankly. It doesn't change the world when you win a golf tournament. So I just think that, that um, really good golfers kind of have this joie de vie kind of, oh, that's all right, you know. Yeah, there are some that burn really brightly. Tiger's, like, pretty intense. But I just, I don't know. I just There's a sense of, like, this doesn't, this really isn't as important as a lot of people may think it is. There was a... Um a tour player, I, I heard say a similar thing recently about his place in golf. I think you know what I think it was Rory McIlroy. In fact, going Google this, kids. A couple weeks ago, he was talking about if he never won another major, and he said something to the effect of what you just said. He said, "I've I've won you know three or four, whatever it is, and my life won't be defined." By me, if I if I never win another major, I've had a great golf career, and after all, it there are more important things in the world than golf, and that's Rory McIlroy. You know what? That's a, it was a, it's a rare perspective from a top top player to hear that mm. that that life is comprised of other things. You know, I love the game so much, like I really do at a really deep deep emotional level. But I'm no longer tied to how well I'm playing it. Is is how much I love it. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, and I, and, and that's I think that's getting you know maturing. <laughs> but it's also I think that's when you we, when you can start to you kind of plot the evolution of a golfer. You know, you start to play this game, you get entranced by it, and maybe take some lessons, and you start to get better, and then your game takes another leap when you start to learn course management. But then your game takes another step forward. And that's what we're talking about is when you can start to detach yourself and know that it's just around the golf. It doesn't have any definition on who I am as a person, how competent I am as an athlete, how good a golfer I am. It has none of, nothing to do with that. And, and once you start to just sort of disassociate yourself and detach, then you can play some pretty good golf. Mm-hmm. Because you're not riding that emotional roller coaster. And I think in, in no matter what you do, uh, I, I, if people define themselves by their their job, their you know, so-called position in life by the car they drive, that's a precarious place to be, I think, because it's all it's all illusion anyway. Yeah, it's all nonsense, and we're on this giant, you know, ball of dirt hurtling through space. You know, yeah. it's funny. I was in the I was in my car yesterday, and I've really you know I used to be such a road rage maniac, immature a hole. And I was like in a traffic jam yesterday, and this guy got really angry, and he went around a bunch of people, and I wanted to yell, "Buddy, we're hurtling through space." You not does that? Can you not keep some perspective? We're in a galaxy. We're not on the Queen's Way, you idiot. It's we're we're in a we're we're in a a, a thing, a star cluster. Anyway, the cosmos, 
You know, here's the thing. You know, you know, when you and I were done on the other night, and and I said I I held you back on purpose because I wanted to just talk about you know I wanted to get the coach Tim effect on my putting. The thing is, I love I love the game so much. I could have done that forever. Like I, I, I we just played a round of golf, and I could stay there on that green working on this because I just love it. You know, I, I I love the mystery of it. You know, I have a friend who is also my coach. He's 60 years old. And yesterday, like two kids, we got into a cart, and it was uh, Ladies' Day at our course, and we got a, a hole ahead of some uh, a group of women, and we went to because we were working on my short game, and which I, I've been you know I've been really spending some time on it, and we went from green to green to green to green for two hours with about ten balls, and just hit different shots. And he's a former tour player, so he's got some cool little secrets short game secrets and I it's not and I and listen Tim has some great Tim I'm talking about you now Tim's a very good uh, uh, instructor and there's lots of good feels to it but there's little tricks that you know better players have and he was showing me a couple little things like you know weakening your grip standing the club up little you know sometimes when the ball's sitting down so we just did that for a couple hours he's 60 I'm gonna be 60 soon we were like kids there, there's oh, a. Oh, it's it great, yeah. You know what I mean? There was no, we weren't keeping. There was nothing. We weren't even playing. We never hit any shots except all we did was go from. For I don't think we did nine of them. Maybe we did seven greens, in about an hour and a half, staying ahead of these groups, and just hitting different shots, tight lies in bunkers, and you know little things here and how to hit a a super cut across, and I just loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. And there's yeah. nothing, because there's not, and it had no ego in it. It was just learning, you know. I loved it so much. Well, you're playing golf. I mean, like, like a bunch of kids in a field, you know. We may be, you know, in a, you know, 60, but still six in many ways. And and I think that that makes a great point that our uh, swing thought faithful can can use almost as a learning piece is, is don't spend so much time around the practice screen or on the range, you know, you know, hitting balls to your hands bleed and all that stuff. I think actually there's way more to be gained by getting out on the course and just having some fun, trying different shots. I mean, it's not, you know, sometimes you have to get out there when there's, you know, not, you know, when the course is relatively empty, of course, to be able to, to do this, but that's so great to get out, say, on an evening and just to mess around, throw, you know, you hit one shot this way and then you try it a different way or that's really fun. And I'll just kind of close this little piece on. Uh, so about three weeks ago, I played on a Wednesday afternoon at Blue Springs. I was I couldn't get out to men's night, so I just went out and hit some balls. I went on the, on the academy course, a little par three course there. Yep. It was one of the best times I had this year. I hit two balls off the tee. And then I'd always throw down a couple of rounds. I hit about three, four different kind of chips, six different putts, and move along. It was just so much fun. But what I think the, the key piece is I learned a, a lot of neat stuff. My sense of feel and, and presence to my own game was, was intensified by that experience. So get on the course and have fun. Well, it's what you, you, know, you said about you know, getting away from the range. And, and I said to Paul... You know, he said, I want to do this with you on, you know, we were going to get together on Thursday. He said, I want to do this. But he said, I don't want to do it around the green, the practice green. And I was like, you know, kind of annoyed, to be honest. I said, dude, it's going to be super busy on a Thursday morning at a club link course. And he said, well, let's just get out and see if we can find an open hole. And we did. And so we, you know, the two things that were interesting was 
Well, a lot of things, but one of the things of interest, we were using real golf balls. We were using our own, like, you know, tailor-made golf right. balls, and they react differently than range balls. Plus, when you're on your when you're on a real hole versus the flat surface of the putting green or the chipping green, you get a sense of the real of what it feels like to hit it to a point and have it roll out because it's going to break to the you know what I mean all those things. And he yeah. taught me a couple things. You know, he's been my golf teacher and my game teacher for a couple of years now. But he taught me a couple of things yesterday, just little nuances. But in in the real field of play, they feel more real. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like the sense I, you know, we, there's a sense of, oh, this is what an actual golf hole looks like as opposed to like, oh, there's a green with 19 pins <laughs> with right. 19 little flags on it. You well, know? You're, in the, you're actually in the environment of the game. Right. And, and when, you know, when you want to hit a flop shot over a bunker, well, it's a real bunker and there's only one pin on the hole and it better get close to it. Right, yeah. Well, one of the things that makes golf so weird is, is that we do not practice on the field we play on. We play in this in this big field, and you know, on these, as you say, a putting green with about nineteen little flags in it. And so many people have a hard time taking their game from the range to the course because it's a completely different environment. Yeah, you know, they got little pressures and stuff. So getting out there and playing on an actual golf course, there's just so much to be gained. I, I know a lot of. I, I played with a. Uh, a friend of mine who's about a two handicap uh, a week ago, he rarely hits balls, uh, you know, range balls. He'll practice his short game, and you can he's got a very tidy short game. Because his point is is that really, you know, practice on the range isn't really going to do much because it, what counts is on the course. So he gets out and he hits, you know, so he gets his reps in on the golf course. And I just see... Uh, a lot of merit to that. One of the best players on my university golf team rarely hits practice balls. Well, I can tell you, Charles, this uh, fellow we're talking about, Charles Fitzsimmons, um, I've played in some GAO events with him as a partner, the better ball, and I've played in the Canadian Mid-Am with him as a competitor, and I can tell you nobody hits less range balls than Charles. He has a very extensive warm-up routine that includes stretching and a bunch of, you know, different sort of yoga moves. And he's, you know, everyone always kids Chucky, but Chucky hits about 15 balls before a round, and then he goes chips and putts. Because as he said, and it's true, you know, the the, the golfing motion that you and I and, and a lot of, you know, golfers have is pretty much set. You know, you just need to stretch out your muscles and maybe hit a few shots. But it's I, I don't pound balls on the range like I used to. I find it that it's part of it as I've gotten older. It's a you know diminishing returns obviously because you can't do that to yourself physically, but also diminishing returns in terms of what it's teaching me. Yeah. You know you have a good setup. I, I your ball position is generally correct. You aim fairly well. And so after that, as Hogan says, you've just got to let it go because they're not, not much can go really wrong once you're in that position. You know, Nicholas said 98% of the things that go good and, and bad in your golf swing happen before you take the club back. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> well, sir, um, an interesting episode started off a little rough, but I think we brought it home around even par. And uh, Tim's available. Tim O'Connor. Every time Tim hit a good shot the other night, I'd go, O'ConnorGolf.ca. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and you hit a lot of good shots. Diego and Raj, they were like all over my site. Thank you. Um, So (laughs) Tim O'Connor, you can get a hold of him. The Humble and Fred Show, available at uh, humbleandfredradio.com. And join the uh, revolution as thousands of people download the show every day for their, uh, you know, their daily dose of nonsense. And, um, yeah, really, I really, really enjoyed playing with you the other night. I wish we did it more. It was so much fun. I, I was telling Rachel, I said, you know, there's very few people that want to geek out about this sport as much as Timmy, and, and I really appreciate it. All right, listen, after kind of a, a rough start, uh, you know, I think we pulled it out there at the end, O'Connor. Um, thanks very much, of course, to Cameron Jacobs from uh, TaylorMade, number one driver in golf. Adidas, of course, the tour, uh, the polos and the uh, and all the equipment. I mean, all the soft goods. I mean, I don't know what I mean, Tim. Jeez. Help a brother out. You're doing fine. You're closing well. <laughs> you're human. You're human. You're just, thank you for sharing your humanity. All right. Well, listen, everyone. We'll see you next week. Just blowing Dixie.